I didn't get my top tip in, which is always flat shoes. Oh, sorry. No, it's only flat shoes. <laughs> it's just <laughs> flat shoes and in your pocket. We should add that in the pod notes. <laughs> flat shoes. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Comfy shoes. Hello and welcome to a new mini-series of the EdTech podcast that showcases the UK vet show's impact on education and the EdTech ecosystem. I'm Rose Luckin, Professor of Learner-Centred Design at UCL's Institute of Education and founder of Educate Ventures Research. The UK Vet Show, brought to you by Hive, attracts 30,000 people to London's Docklands every year and acts as a global community hub for educational technology. 600 innovative edtech and resource solution products are represented from over 120 countries and entrepreneurs, educationalists and e-learning providers connect in over 5,000 meetings on site. The show has been running for some 38 years and in that time it's grown from purely an exhibition of technology to one of talks and lectures, product reveals, international trade, peer-to-peer networking and e-sports. This year, however, it's billed as the best bet ever. And although the 29th to the 31st of March is an important date in the calendar, what makes this bet different? In the Zoom studio today, I have a number of special guests with me who want to talk about data, evidence and digital transformation. In particular, how BET is performing its own digital transformation. BET 2023 is set to deliver greater impact than ever before because of the increased volume of meaningful connections. Register for your free ticket before the 3rd of March by visiting uk.betshow.com. And keep listening to find out how technology and data are going to make this BET the best one yet. Louisa, it seems like digital transformation is the edtech industry's watchword at the moment. What does it mean for BET to be going through its own digital transformation? And and why is it happening now? And I'd also love to know what the evidence is that motivated these changes. And as you answer this question, can you just say a little bit about yourself to introduce yourself to our listeners and, and what you do? I suppose I should start with that. Thanks, Rose. Um, So I'm Louisa Hunter. I'm the Portfolio Director for BET, and I've been working with BET for many, many years, not nearly as many years as some of our visitors have been attending BET for. Uh, We've been going for about 38 years now, but I've been working with BET for about eight years, uh, working with our strategic partners um, to really make the most um, out of the show and and, and engage with our community. And I've taken over the Portfolio Director role uh, recently as we embark on our digital transformation that you just mentioned. Um, So what, what does digital transformation mean for BET? Well, what it absolutely is not about is um, moving events online. That is not what digital transformation means for BET. It's also not about tech gimmicks. That's sometimes what people mean when they talk about digital innovation at events, but that's, that's not what this is about. This is about using brilliant new technology to deliver the show in a more sophisticated and data-driven way. So really, the crux of that is knowing much more about who's coming to the show, what they need, and who they want to connect with, so that we can design a much better experience, we can communicate with our visitors better, and really importantly, we can make connections with the right people at the right time. So that that's really the, the crux of the digital transformation. I think one really important manifestation of that new technology that we are implementing is a very massive meetings program that we'll be running for the first time at the show in March. That really solves for the the key 
thing that our visitors come to BET to do. So Connect at BET enables education decision makers to discover products and services really quickly and efficiently. It helps them find solutions to their challenges that could be strategic, operational, pedagogical challenges. And ultimately, it allows them to uncover new and emerging tech from a really wide range of companies, whether they're big or small or local or international. So it's 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 a really powerful tool for those education decision makers that that come to BET and could perhaps in the past have been slightly overwhelmed by the uh, by the offering. And for our customers, those those ed techs, um, it's about meeting with the decision makers from institutions and governments who really want to meet them too. So they can do that with new people that they've never met before. They can engage with new and existing buyers within current customer organizations to find new ways to work together in future. And they can launch their products and, and make announcements to the thousands of um, educators who are participating. So yes, that's going to be happening at scale uh, in March uh, at the XL. I think that sounds like a wonderful addition. I think my first bet was probably 25 years ago in 1998. So I wasn't there right at the beginning, but I do remember coming along and I must confess feeling a bit overwhelmed. So I, as an educator, feeling a bit overwhelmed. So I think that sounds like a great addition. Thanks so much, Louisa. Joseph, I'd love to come to you next, please. Um, now, Tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization you work for, which I know is ISTE. And I know you advocate for the use of smart technology in education and you publish standards and recommendations and frameworks to help teachers to use these tools well. You also host a large event for educators and ed tech companies in the US. So how are you partnering with BET as they undertake this transformation? Well, thank you, Rose. Um, so yes, just a little bit about me. I'm uh, have the privilege of being the chief learning officer at ISTE. And we're really focused, it's an external role, that, role that's focused on helping educators around the world really engage the kinds of activities and strategies that will help them transform their pedagogy. Um, and so we see, we see learning and technology as hand in hand. Um, and just like Louisa said, it's not about gimmicks. It's not about shiny objects. It's about really identifying your learning goals and then bringing to bear the technology that's going to move that forward. Um, so we are excited to be part of this partnership. We, we really see four powerhouses coming together. We have BAT, which is an incredible convener. And, and you know, we always talk about them being in the UK, but really they bring the world to the UK. Um, so it's, a, it's truly a worldwide conference. And, and they bring all the right people into the same space. Um, we have BASA, which represents and is attuned to the interests and needs of the UK companies that are there. We have um, EVR, your organization, um, that's really supported hundreds of ed tech companies to get clear about their theory of change and how they might use evidence and data to demonstrate their impact. And then you have ISTE, um, who has spent a lot of time developing strategies and approaches that leaders can use with confidence to bring about this transformation that we're talking about. And so what we're excited about doing together this year is we sat down with Louisa and her team and said, how can ISTE, with our deep experience in educator CDP, grounded in these ISTE standards, provide a session that will help educators navigate this amazing, but possibly overwhelming experience that they're about to have? And so what we're planning to do is on the very first day of the conference, we are bringing together uh, Richard Collada, who's the CEO of ISTE, along with Laurie Forsier and members of the ERV team, including Rose, to be a part of a two-hour workshop on the first day. 
So this is on Wednesday, the 29th of March from 12 to 2. And we're calling it Get Ready, Get Bat, Go. And the whole idea is about putting educators in control of the conversations that they're having with these, with these various companies. Sometimes they're kind of overwhelmed and they're just sort of reacting rather than being intentional. And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to help them identify very deliberate questions focused on a problem of practice that they're trying to solve and looking for the evidence base that these companies can provide for how their solution matches their context. And our goal is to really help them have substantive conversations when they get out on the floor and help them engage those companies in a way that they can find this match, right? When you find that perfect match between a company and your need, um, you know, that's the magic that happens at bat. And so we're really trying to bring that to the fore by having that experience on the very first day um, so that they feel prepared and empowered to do that. Oh, that's like music to my ears. I love the idea of bringing technology to bear on your learning goals and all that talk of evidence and data. Absolutely love it. Thanks, Joseph. Really, we'll be coming back to more talk about evidence a little bit later. But I'd love to turn to Julia now. Now, with regard to Bet's approach and more broadly for Beza, what does digital transformation mean for your membership? And what else are companies in your community looking for? Um, and how do you think their needs can best be served? So uh, as a little bit of background, um, I'm the I'm Julia and I'm the Deputy Director General at BISA, the British Educational Suppliers Association. So we're a trade association. We have over 400 companies in membership and they are all suppliers of goods and services to schools. And a large proportion of those, probably around 50%, are either technology providers or provide curriculum resources that are delivered through a tech platform. So it's a it's a key area of membership. But for me as well, I've also before I joined uh, BISA, I worked for supplier organizations. So I have very fond memories of of BET, of standing on stands uh, in going back many, many years. And I know that it can be really challenging to have the right conversations at an event of that size. And I think um, Louisa and Joseph both said a couple of things that resonated with me and with our members. So first was the talk of gimmicks. And I think the challenge has been with trade shows of this size in the past is it has tended to be a bit of a a land grab. The the biggest stand with the brightest um, gimmick is the one that can grab the most attention and what has been in the past. And and that... uh, can lead to a little bit of, of uneasiness amongst the, the the exhibitors because most of our members are ex-teachers and they've got they've produced uh, products and services that they know there's a genuine need for and they just want to have those conversations with people. So the the use of technology through the, like the the, the Connected Bets program that Louise has mentioned is is perfect to enable them to have those deeper conversations to make those connections um and and a bit like joseph was saying about priming people to know what to look for when they go out on the shop floor that that we see the connected bet and the use of technology as as being complementary to the exhibition itself because there'll always be some people who just want to browse and want to, and, and want to use uh, an event like this for discovery 
But for our members, it is, it's not about just pushing a hard sell. It's about engaging with educators and having those, those deeper connections. And technology has always been core to that, whether it be you know, the use of scanning tools so that you can capture leads so that then you can set you can then continue the conversation later on after the event and and tools like that have just developed over time I think for us the landscape is changing and the nature of that buyer-seller relationship is changing and being able to identify the right people to have the conversations with is key both within um, within a trade show environment but also in a broader sense and that's where some of the other work that we're doing at BISA to engage with MAT leaders or to provide training to our members or um, to, to help them use the technology they've got to cut through the noise on social media and emailing an email in order to have deeper, more meaningful conversations with school business leaders. Oh, absolutely. That resonates with me. I, I too have very fond memories, even though I found that overwhelming in those early days. I still have a real fond memory of it. But I agree. It was always hard to find the right person to talk to and get the right conversation going. Mm. So I I think this is a a wonderful initiative to try and make sure those conversations are really meaningful. Thank you to today's sponsor, The Bet Show, which is the global meeting place for the education community. It takes place from the 29th to the 31st of March this year at Excel London. This year, there is a deadline to register for BET, which is the 3rd of March. So head on over to uk.betshow.com to claim your free ticket before that deadline. Once again, head on over to uk.betshow.com to claim your free ticket before the 3rd of March. I did say we would come back to evidence and I'm absolutely going to come back to the question of evidence and I'm going to come to Joseph first because you did bring up the subject of evidence, I believe, first. So I'd love to know your thoughts about evidence. And I think evidence can be seen as something that we need companies to provide in order to help teachers make good decisions about whether they should be engaging with the product or service. But we also need to think about what evidence means for us, don't we? You know, what would make this show successful for people who attend, but also for you and your organization? Thank you. I, I think from ISTE's point of view, we're really interested in, you know, the, the number of substantive conversations that we can help seed, the number and quality of the connections that are made. And, you know, whether uh, the, the two sides, the educators and the companies are able to find common ground um, and really address problem of practice that an educator is focused on. Um, you know, when you talk about evidence, I think another thing that we'd love to see is, well, yes, it is incumbent upon the company to um, show the evidence that their product works. Every context is a little bit different. And so another thing that we would love to see as an outcome of this is partnerships between companies and educators where they actually are able to trial those products in their context and gather that evidence together um, because that's going to be the most convincing evidence. Um, but a lot of times educators just sort of come in wanting to pull something off the shelf. And uh, sometimes there's a, a transactional conversation in their head when in fact 
neither side really wants to just have a transaction. And so I'm hoping that this will lead to shared evidence collection over time. You are so right. Uh, Many years ago, I wrote a book about context because I personally believe that context is fundamental to making educational interventions or interactions the most effective they can be. And so I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the same technology applied in very different ways can have very different sorts of impacts. So you're right, those conversations really do need to be meaningful. And I think what you're saying about making connections where you're finding common ground around an educational issue is fundamental to that, because then you can think about the context in which a particular technology is going to be used. And I think that's key, isn't it, to getting this bit right. Julia, I'd love to come to you next and hear your thoughts about this question on evidence. Thank you, Joseph. Quite interesting what Joseph was saying there about the collaboration between schools and suppliers, because actually that's there's a, a category in one of the best in the better worlds that are announced on the Wednesday of BET, which is uh, that does champion the collaboration between schools and suppliers. And and part of the submission has to be the evidence piece there. And it's fantastic because it's, it's really fascinating being the chair of the judges as you get to read the submissions when they come in because there's some really great work going on in um, in this sphere and the work that um, Educate Ventures do and we partner with Rose and her team to provide a similar sort of program a combined program for our members that so that they can go through and learn how to produce proper research-based evidence and it's coming from both sides it's a desire from our members and from suppliers everywhere to to have proper not just glorified testimonials but proper research evidence and there's also there's push coming from teachers who are looking for it now. So there's a real sea change happening. And I think that's really, really important. Going back to the question about data and, and what, what, how do we evidence success for ourselves as BISA for the best event? We have, we have several uh, measures of s- success and we run training for our members before they come along. And we always say to them, you know, set your objectives, know what you want to achieve from an event such as this, because only then do you know what to measure and actually to be able to tell whether or not you've achieved it and for one of us it's a a bit of a a vague one but it is happy members so we've helped them get supported we've helped them we've worked with bet themselves to get them in the right stand and to see what other opportunities there are at the show so as long as we've all worked hard together to ensure that they get the best fit and they get the best out of it then that that ticks one of our objectives so happy members is is key but then again to those collaborations and the common ground item again that Joseph mentioned a lot of the work that we do at BISA is is international so it's working with ministries of education overseas organizations similar to ours in other territories to share best practice within the UK and and to facilitate connections with companies UK-based suppliers um, with overseas companies and ministries so that they can then start to develop long-term partnerships so we will measure our success along the lines of which delegations, I mean, we've got delegations from France, Japan, South Korea, for instance, coming to meet with us and we'll take them around the show and uh, and introduce them to to companies that are exhibiting. And for us, the the measure of success is how many of those go on to be, to start partnerships, to start long-term relationships and whether our our collaborations with organisations like the Department for Business and Trade formerly the DIT in the UK, to help with their initiatives at 
bet as well whether they come to fruition for the betterment both both for our members but also for for UK education worldwide so they're, they're definitely areas of focus for us this time around. I too have very fond memories of judging the awards and also of the awards ceremony which is always a great fun event. I love the idea that you've just given everybody and I think you're completely right set your objectives for what you want to achieve before you you attend the event. I think that that is definitely an excellent tip. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that I think there has been a sea change in the quality of conversations that are now being had about evidence. I mean, the way we've already been talking in this pod about context is a much richer notion of evidence than you would have been hearing 10 or 15 years ago. So I think there's huge potential, isn't there, for really starting to be able to measure success in lots of new and different ways. Louisa, over to you. What's your take on the evidence question, please? I mean, I just think that this is exactly the realisation that that Hive has had um, and that we're sort of tapping into it better. It's it's not about leaving it to chance anymore. Um, You can't just rely on luck to make critical connections or find the right the right partner, the right solution. Um, you know, this this idea that, you know, BISA has already worked for, for many years with its members about, about being really kind of prepared and very purposeful. And what um, Joseph and Laurie are, are working on at BET to really get those decision makers in schools prepared to make the most out of their BET show is, is absolutely um, key. And, and all of those frameworks and materials that, that Educate um, Ventures are uh, creating is something that is very, very interesting to us now um, as an organization. You know, in the past, we've measured the success of our event by the number of people that walk through the door. And yes, there will still be lots of people walking through the door. We've got a record-breaking registration this year, um, but it really is about the, the connections that happen. And now through this technology and the, the facilitation of those, those connections at BET, we'll be able to have more of the conversations about what, what actually happened as a result of BET and, and measure that over time. You know, we're, we're convening groups of amazing um, thought leaders and, and, and powerful change makers from around the world to actually act on issues that they've noticed and then measure that o- over time and see what impact is actually being made as a, as a result of those those conversations. So yeah, it's just absolutely about that kind of meaningful uh, conversation as opposed to just a volume and, and, a, and a chance game. Meaningful conversations make a lot of sense. And I think what you're saying about it being about more than the number of people who walk through the door and being able to track the conversations a bit more because of the way that you're connecting people seems to me to be even more important after the pandemic, when things have been a bit muted, haven't they, in terms of people being able to actually go to physical events, this has really shone a light on the need for people to interact. And actually, sometimes a face-to-face meeting is really important to progress with ideas. I just wonder if you can think about whether there are any other potential benefits that might come out of those conversations that perhaps we haven't highlighted so far. I mean, there's a lot of conversation I'm hearing about learning poverty, for example, and students from poorer backgrounds and underfunding in the education sector. You know, perhaps if we better understand educators' needs, maybe the technology can be better plugged into that. And if we better understand the context in which that technology might be used, again, we can broker more meaningful conversations. So I come to you first, Louisa. What do you think are 
those added potential benefits? I mean, you you hit on it. I think it's the understanding point that's absolutely key. We cannot solve for anything if we don't understand what people need and they want and, and, and what they do. And, you know, once you know the issues, once you know the understand the goals of institutions and organizations and, and systems, and you can start connecting the dots, you, you start to make a, a difference. And in, in some sense, the, you know, Bet really is positioned at the center of that kind of ed tech ecosystem. And the scope to make those connections and have an impact is, is slightly wild, actually. But, you know, in, in terms of you know, helping the most marginalized in education, we, we want to do much more. And we are launching initiatives that bring together partners from sort of big tech and multinationals like HP, um, government leaders from sort of the US to Cambodia to, to Ukraine, organizations from, you know, Africa Development Bank to Education Cannot Wait. And, and all of those minds coming together to answer questions like how we can bridge the global equity gap in education is, is something that we, we are in a very privileged position to be able to do. So yes, that is not just about shiny, expensive tech. It's about bringing people together to kind of understand each other and the problems that they have uh, by kind of talking and, and learning and forging those partnerships. I really love that. And, and it really draws on what we've heard already about the global aspect of what BET does. It really is at the centre of an ecosystem. And you're right, being able to pull all those minds together to think about some of these huge challenges that we're facing is a hugely privileged position. And it's great to hear more about the way you are focusing on this connecting different people together within the ecosystem so that the sum of the parts can be greater than the individual parts themselves. Julia, what's your take on this? And thank you, Louisa. I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Louisa says, and I see it as Beck can be a catalyst in, in two ways. So there is the thought leaders and change makers that Louisa referenced that, that you'll see on the panels or in the discussions and hearing that and shining a light on some of those issues that in previous years might not have been included um, and might not have been front and centre. It's fantastic to see them given that that forum. So that's really important. So, so it happens that way, but it's, it's also the things that happen in the fringes. So some of the best connections you can have and the best conversation you have is, is maybe, you know, when you're queuing to get a coffee and you start talking to the person next to you and you say, what did you think of that speaker? And then you start, you know, engaging in a, in a bit of chit chat, but you start finding we've talked about connections, but it's also inspiration. And I think that's one of the things that, that we possibly haven't touched on today. We've got members, uh, companies in membership where they go, I came to bet, I met so-and-so, I saw some, somebody speak, I then looked around the floor and I couldn't quite find the thing that did that did what it was that I wanted as a, as a response to what I'd seen. So I made it myself. And it is that inspiration piece. Or oh, it could be a connection between two companies who suddenly decide they're both working in the same area one of the, and they can they can pool their resources to solve one of those big problems because you don't solve digital poverty overnight on your own it is it is a big issue it needs big thinking it needs collaboration it needs new ideas and that's absolutely the sort of thing that could be sparked by an event like pet innovations and big thinking and i know exactly what you mean about conversations on the fringes that's absolutely been my experience in the past. And sometimes those are the things you really remember, aren't they? Those human connections, like you say, when you're sharing a coffee or you bump into somebody, absolutely can make a difference. And if we can kind of pull all those ideas together, yeah, I think it can really bring about some meaningful change. 
for communities who perhaps have been a little bit marginalized in the past from the conversation? Well, there's been some fabulous answers to your questions so far. So partly I just want to amplify them. I think Louisa's efforts that they're making to bring the voices to the table. I mean, that's the first step. If the if the people that you're trying to serve are not represented in the conversations, then, then they won't be addressed. And so bringing those voices front and center is really important. And that, you know, what an amazing stage, um, what, what an amazing amplifier um, to, to bring those together. And then I think Julia's comments about about the inspiration that can come from these conversations. You know, one thing I think that we often overlook is how isolated it can feel to be an educator in a classroom, right? And, you know, maybe there's a flood of, of second language speakers um, that you've never had before in your school. And, and, and you're wondering, how, how do I help them? Um, or, you know, perhaps you're realizing that uh, the, the connectivity the homes of your of your students isn't what you thought it was, and and again, as a as a single educator, you're like, what can I do about that? And it's really difficult. But when you come and have these meaningful conversations, when you can sit down with people who who have pooled their resources and literally spent millions trying to come up with these solutions, then suddenly you're connected. And, and you and you have a way forward and you realize that you're not alone and there's other people also trying to solve it. Um, and so I think those connections are essential to get to these issues. That is such an important point, Joseph, the isolation. I think for a lot of people that is huge. Isolation, you've got a problem, the opportunity to meet other people who may be in a similar situation and to share those challenges it's a huge opportunity, isn't it? And it's one that we must make sure we leverage to best effect because it could make a big impact on many people's lives. Great answers. I'm really getting a sense that there's going to be a much more conversational bet this year. You're right. You've talked about it as being connected. And, and that's definitely the vibe that I'm getting, that it's much more about bringing people together, trying to match what people need with what's available, and then follow up on those conversations afterwards, which I think sounds great. And really important to address that point about isolation as well, that you've just highlighted, Joseph. Sadly, we are coming towards the end of our pod, which is a shame because I'd love to continue this conversation uh, for a lot longer. But before you go, I have to ask you a little bit about your predictions for the future, because it's always fun to do this, isn't it? Uh, generally, mine are way out, uh, but it's always good to have a think about them. Julia, I'm going to come to you first. What are your predictions about what evolutions in education are on the horizon and what revolutions there might be coming from emerging technologies? I, if there's one thing that the last three years has taught me, it's it's almost impossible to predict what is coming down the line. I think uh, you mentioned ChatGPT um, to me a while back, and and I was in Cairo uh, last month with uh, Visa on a trade mission, and we went to some international schools, and it was all we were asked about. You know, is it is it the end of homework? Is it is it going to take over? Is this something that we really need to be having in our school? And I think it is. There's a tipping point again about uh, AI. So AI is definitely on everybody's hit list this year. But I think it's it's not about that technology per se. It's about how it's applied that's the key. And it's being able to predict how that is going to be embedded and how 
how things are going to move forward is quite challenging. And I think there's also that piece where you have to suddenly realise that you that all your all the parameters that you're basing your decision on are completely wrong. So again, another conversation around uh, the uh, um, digitization of assessments like GCSEs and A-levels, are they going to go online? And I had a conversation with a, a group of teachers who were part of a pilot program for one of the exam boards and they were coming back with they, they really liked the exams themselves were working but things like did they have enough laptops did could they switch off the internet how did they get they had to get them all plugged in because the battery life wouldn't last these things and these were the things that were holding them back and then you have that sudden light bulb moment by the time this is rolled out we probably won't be doing it on laptops they're going to be doing it on some kind of device that hasn't been invented yet so for for me, you can see a direction of travel. Je- Chat GBT is a direction of travel. The use of AI, direction of travel. Exams going on online, direction of travel. But the, the the detail of it is yet to be invented. It's yet to be discovered, and that again is where all of us working in this sector have a, a, a part to play in terms of helping and supporting existing teachers to to get comfortable with the technology we've got so that they can instill a love of technology in the children that they're teaching now because they're the ones that are going to be inventing the things that haven't been invented yet that are going to solve these problems down the line. Um, And that's what excites me about the future. I agree completely, Julia. I think it's super exciting. Thank you. I think what you say about we don't know the detail yet. We're not sure how these technologies are going to be embedded and what the kind of hardware infrastructure might be that supports the kinds of technologies that are now being produced from generative AI systems like ChatGPT um, to immersive environments. There's a huge amount of development going on there, isn't there? And I think it's a great opportunity. But for some people, change is daunting. So it's great to hear that you're seeing this change as being exciting, because I believe it's exciting too. And we need to embrace it and think about how we leverage it for the best for the future. Louisa, I'm going to come to you next. What's your top tip for predicting what might be coming around the corner? I mean, just about that is it's sort of about being prepared for for the future, whether it is it is daunting and scary or or exciting and filled with opportunity. So, to to the Chat GPT point, that there, there will undoubtedly be lots of conversations about it at BET. It's it's just just getting bigger and bigger. But there's actually one session from the Assistive Technology Officer at University of Oxford who will explore practical examples of how it's been used to kind of improve the lives of it of its users. So that's worth tuning into. But you know, it is it's just about being prepared, like talking about mental well-being across school communities and and developing future skills to to prepare for that future workplace empowering staff reframing assessment <sighs> championing edtech innovators so that they can they can be ready and and prepared with us um or 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 helping schools deal with kind of climate crisis and there there's just so so much to talk about but I would just say, yeah, it's about it's about preparing for something that we don't know um, that we don't know about. To Julia's point, I think it is a bit of a moment in time, isn't it, where maybe the technology really can bring about the ter- transformation that people like ourselves have always known it could, but somehow we're still trying to get to the the kind of transformation that we can envision. And it does feel like a moment in time where things are going to change in a very positive way. Um, and bringing together 
all of those who are involved in that potential transformation could be incredibly empowering, I think. Thank you, Louisa. Joseph, you get the last word on this one. <laughs> I've been thinking about my my own son, who when I really emphasize to him how important it was to learn to touch type, because he's been doing that his whole life. He was like, I'm not sure that's true. I'm 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 probably just gonna use voice recognition by the time I'm your age, dad. Right. And and I and I and I had a moment where I'm like, I think he's right. And and it just makes you realize that that the future is coming much faster than we we really think of. And so one of the ways that we're really framing the future at ISTE is when it comes to AI, for example, there's a lot of conversations about, you know, how will it appear in the classroom and will it replace a teacher and, and all those things. But we're really looking beyond that to say, how do we prepare young people to become the AI designers of the future? Um, because they are the ones who will be designing this technology. And so whether that future, as uh, Louisa said, is scary and daunting or exciting and full of opportunities will depend on who's designing that technology. So, so one important trend that I think is coming on the horizon is really focusing on helping our young people prepare to be the creators and the designers and and embedding those digital creation skills into the curriculum, not as a not as a fun side project or an afterthought, but as a core competency for their future. Um, a second one that both of both Julia and Louisa touched on is the educators themselves. You know, Julia asked the question, how is it applied? Right. That, that's what matters the most. And I think another change is we have now spent our billions on the devices. We, we, they're, they're everywhere. They're maybe in almost in too many places. If they're, if they're in the bedroom at two o'clock in the morning, they need to be turned off. Um, but we haven't spent as much of our resources and our attention on expanding educators' capacity to use those in transformative ways. And so I think another big change, um, will be focusing on that aspect. And, you know, ISTE, for example, has created a certification in the ISTE standards for educators and how to use technology in transformative ways. And we've seen the interest in that program skyrocket. And, and it's we're starting to come to that realization that it's the people, right, who are going to make this change. And then the third one I'll just mention quickly, and, and I think the um, pandemic taught us this, is that education is really and should be community-based, um, not just in the walls of the school, but should involve the parent and caregiver and uh, the, the cultural institutions um, in the in the in the city or or even beyond the city where where the student is learning, and I think technology is a wonderful connector. So just as we're going to be connecting in person at BET in meaningful ways, we can use technology to make those connections um, over longer distances and expand the learning community around learners. That's fabulous. I love that. You know, creativity, professional development, community. That is the way that we get the most from the future. And I think you've kind of summed it up in when what you said about the future is coming faster than we realise. And it is. I think that's true. And, and we have to embrace it and we have to try and get in that excited mindset so that we can really be positive and, and look towards building a, a great set of possibilities for young people. And, and making sure that we give them the right skills, understanding, knowledge 
to be able to leverage these tools for their future. And that, of course, means that we have to ensure that the educators have the right skills and understanding themselves. And it's great to hear that you're getting even more uptake of the ISTE standards programme. That, that's really excellent news. Thank you, everybody. I have very much enjoyed the conversation. I am very much looking forward to BET. I shall be there every day, I suspect. <laughs> looking forward to lots of conversations. I really appreciate you giving up your time to come on the pod. I think listeners will have got a huge amount um, from what you said today. I hope if you are listening to the pod, you found our discussion informative and practical. I think there's been some top tips from our guests and I'm sure you will get a lot more out of your bet experience if you follow up on the advice that you've been given today. If you'd like to know more about this series of the podcast, then please visit the EdTech Podcast website at www.edtechpodcast.com or connect with us via social media. And to see how the Educate programme is keeping evidence at the heart of EdTech, go to www.educateventures.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn. You've been listening to the Connecting at Bet series, performed in collaboration with the EdTech podcast, presented by me, Professor Rose Luckin. Join us for the second part of this two-part series, where we'll look at what the bet going public should ask of those who are exhibiting and why impact and evidence is so vital to the ecosystem. Thank you very much to all of my guests and thank you for listening. Thank you to today's sponsor, The Bet Show, which is the global meeting place for the education community. It takes place from the 29th to the 31st of March this year at Excel London. This year, there is a deadline to register for Bet, which is the 3rd of March. So head on over to uk.betshow.com to claim your free ticket before that deadline. Once again, head on over to uk.betshow.com to claim your free ticket before the 3rd of March. Thank you.